Hey, this is Scotty Vermeen from Daniel Boone Baptist Church in Gate City, Virginia. I'm the interim pastor and would like to invite you to worship with us at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. We also have Bible study at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Check us out on Facebook at Daniel Boone Baptist Church where you will find weekly sermons and daily interaction to keep you in touch with the Lord and to keep you in touch with His kingdom. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. But God, more importantly, thank you for the reality of a risen Savior. God, help us to apply that to our life today. God, as, as we've already identified, all of us bring certain things into this room today. And so, God, we desire to leave change. Lord, our expectation is that we get something from you today. So pour out your favor upon us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Did you know that a third of the Gospels, a third of the Gospel account, a third of the chapters in the, in the four Gospels deal with this past week, this Holy Week that we celebrated we started off with, with Sunday, the triumphal entry, and we talked about how Jesus Christ came riding into town on a war horse or a donkey. A donkey. A donkey symbolized peace. And as we start to try to re, uh, apply that to our lives, I'm just going to give you how I apply it to my life. When I get in situations, and I'm in them quite often, I'm a conflict resoluter. Did you all know that? That's my official title. I've, I've never been a coach or a principal. Or I'm a conflict resoluter. It seems like I deal with conflict all the time. But when I get into a conflictual situation, you know, God desires for me to take in that situation peace. I should be a peacemaker. Jesus came into town riding on a donkey. And so lesson number one from Holy Week on Sunday was this. Jesus came to bring peace. And I believe he wants to give you peace as well. And then on Monday... He went into the temple of God, and what did he do? He drove out the money makers. He drove out those who were buying and selling. They had turned the church, the house of God, into something that it was never intended to be. And so he drove them out, and he turned the tables over of the money changers. And the lesson from Monday is this. The church is primarily purposed to be a house of prayer and a place for help. He says in Matthew chapter 21, verses 13 and 14, that my house should be called a house of prayer. And so of all the things that we do here in this church house and all the things we do in the corporate church, that should be primary. We should be praying. So on Monday, he teaches us that we are to keep the temple of God holy and we should be praying. And I want to take that to another place. A few weeks ago, we learned of the Old Testament temple. Do you all remember that, that we're here? And how it was set up and in the, in the back behind the veil was the most holy place. That's where the the most high God dwelt and only the priest could go back there after certain sacrifices were met and things of that nature but when Jesus came and we're celebrating his resurrection today when he came what he did was he tore the veil from top to bottom and now now the holy the the holy spirit allows us to go into the holy of holies the holy place and so I think about this temple and many of you heard me say this a couple weeks ago but I think it's worth saying it again today God takes seriously what's going on inside of his temple, okay? Now, when I was young, I could say that, but I didn't really understand that. Do you all know what I'm talking about? You have to live a while before you realize that what you put in will affect the quality of life that you live and the quality of relationship you have with the Lord. And I, I kind of see it like this. When I'm in sin and I am, I am entertaining thought processes and entertaining things that are not godly and that are, that are not according to God's purpose for my life, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is inside of this temple 
The Bible says that we are the dwelling place of the Most High now. Does that make sense? The Bible says that Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, will turn our tables over. And we'll be miserable until we get things right with the Lord. That's how that works. Now, you have to live a while before you understand that. You know, And I've lived long enough to see it. This temple God is jealous of. And so we need, to, we need to consider very carefully what we allow to go into this temple. Now, we think of that as, as physical, and it's not just physical. It's our soul. It's what we actually believe. Remember I told you a few weeks ago, the two most important things about you is what you believe about God and what you believe about yourself. You, hear, you remember that? Your belief is important. On Tuesday, after he overturns the tables and sets the matter straight on his church, Jesus, after being confronted by the chief priests, they came to him and said, by what authority are you teaching this stuff? You know, by what authority are you teaching this stuff? And he, he returns to them with a question, and they couldn't answer the question, and so he says, well, neither will I answer your question. And then he goes in, in Matthew chapter 21, verse 32, and he says this. He says, surely I tell you that harlots and tax collectors will inherit the kingdom before you do. Now, how is that possible? I don't want to talk about tax collectors and harlots a whole lot. But basically what that was in that day was it was a lifestyle that was obvious that it was against God. You know, basically tax collectors were taking more than what the tax required. And so they were stealing from people. And we know what a harlot is. It was a lifestyle that was not pleasing to God. And Jesus tells the chief priests who were the church leaders and the elders, those who had lived a while and were teaching the scriptures, he tells them that tax collectors and harlots will enter the kingdom before you do. Why is that? Last week I said that, and, and I spent most of the time last week on one question. Do you believe? Salvation, number one. And salvation is very simple. It's by grace that we're saved. I did nothing to deserve salvation. Nothing. That nothing. My best work is dirty. It's by grace. We celebrate that today on Resurrection Sunday, don't we? Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave, and he rose again so that the veil would be torn. It was torn on Friday, by the way. And so that we could have communion with God and be forgiven. The sin, the sin that we committed has been paid, uh, paid for. But it's by grace that we're saved. But we have, we have a responsibility. You remember a few weeks ago, I also talked talk to you about a covenant. A covenant has two parties. See, salvation, we do have a, a piece of uh, responsibility in salvation. You know what it is? Believe. That's it. Believe. Believe. What did I read you in John chapter 11, verse 40? Jesus said this. He said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? just simple as that. And so when I apply that to my life, I think this, if God's given me a vision and a dream and a hope, and he's given me a future, and the Bible's very clear about that in Jeremiah 29, 11, if he's given me those things and I pursue after them, do you remember the verse, seek and you will find? If I seek and seek and seek and seek and seek and I look and it's not there, you remember that one Sunday I went over here and it wasn't there, and I went back there and then I had somebody help me and we found them over here? That's what seeking God's like. You'll look behind doors and that won't be it. You'll think it's it, but that's not it. And so seeking you shall find. And Jesus says, did I not say to you that if you should believe, if you would believe, you will see the glory of God. 
That's the lesson on Tuesday. Belief. Jesus is teaching the whole way, the whole time he's walking through this week. Believe, believe, believe. Keep it simple. It's by grace through faith, period. And you shall be saved. Now, I told you a few weeks ago that when you give your heart and life to the Lord, everything changes. Everything changes. Your eternal destiny is secure. However, you have a responsibility in how you walk, don't you? Yeah. Your life don't immediately. And I've had a couple people, Mike Jenkins, I keep telling you he's one of them. I've had a couple people in my life that the moment God saved them, he pulled them out of the dirt and the grime. But most of the time, that's not what happens. Most of the time, he gives you the power to walk out of it. You hear what I'm saying? But that's Tuesday. Keeping it simple. Simple enough for a child to understand. We make it complex. Church ought not be complex. Faith walk ought not be complex. It should be relational, and it is relational. Get back to the basics. Wednesday. Wednesday we read of the plot to kill Jesus. They found somebody on the inside. Y'all remember his name? Judas. Yeah. Judas probably had more to do with our salvation than any of the other disciples. He really did if you think about it. But they found somebody on the inside, and it made me start thinking. And I've built a lot of teams. Most organizations that get destroyed, that fall, are destroyed from within, aren't they? Families, teams, churches, schools, you name it. Anything that God has instituted and put together, you have to protect it. you got to be careful. Nearly all organizations that come to destruction are destroyed from within. But in this case, nothing could stop the purposes of God and Jesus Christ from being fulfilled. Nothing. Here's the awesome thing about your purpose, too, and my purpose. And you can hang your hat on this. You can take it to the bank. If God calls you to it, he will see you through it. Here's the deal. Like, if you have a purpose for your life, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. Unless you deny him completely. And that's not us in the church of Christ, is it? Nothing could stop the purpose of Christ from being fulfilled. And the same's true for your call, your purpose from God. Matthew 26, 1 through 5. The lesson on Wednesday is this. What the enemy meant for harm, Judas, 30 pieces of silver, leading them to, the, to our Lord Jesus. What the enemy meant for harm, see, they thought they could kill him and get rid of him. But actually what they did was they planted a seed. What happens when you plant a seed? It produces a crop, don't it? Isn't that awesome? Now, we're going to talk about that at the end, the exclamation point. But a seed was planted in Christ. What the enemy meant for harm, God meant for good. And we can apply this to our lives daily. Because the enemy, the world, the devil, and even the flesh means harm for us. But he meant it for good to save the lives of many. That's Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. That's when Joseph, y'all remember the story, and his brothers were reunited and they were, they were like, oh, we shouldn't have sold you into slavery and all that stuff. And he said, whoa, 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 God, God meant it for good to save the lives of many. It's a picture of Christ on Wednesday. Thursday, after the Last Supper, he taught us about the body and he taught us about the bread and the cup and the blood. Jesus, accompanied by, by his disciples, goes into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, I want to read you that passage. I'm going to read it out of the Bible. How about that? That's what we all be doing anyway, right? Flipping pages. Raise your hand if you like to hear the sound of flipping pages. Y'all like that? Yeah, me too. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Listen to what happens in the garden. I read it last week, but I want to read it again. He went with his disciples, and it says, verse 39, he went a little farther 
and fell on his face and prayed. Before I read that part, I think it's important that we all understand that there are times in our lives where we, I mean, when I pray with my wife and my kids, you know, it's sweet, but I'm guarded, right? Me and you know what I'm talking about? Like I'm not completely transparent and open, not completely, just being honest with you. But when I get along with God, I can't be guarded. I mean, the moment I try to be guarded, he brings it up. Brings what up? It. What's it? Whatever it is. You know what I mean? It says here, Jesus gives us this example. It says he went a little farther. He got along with the Father. My question to you is, do you ever get along with the Father? And I know I've been in seasons of my life where I didn't want to get along with God. I would go weeks and weeks and weeks, sometimes months, maybe years, and didn't want to get along with God because of it. You hear what I'm saying? But Jesus Christ was facing something. This was prior to him going to the cross. And he says this when he got along. He said, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. This passage in all of Scripture is the one passage that tells me that Jesus was fully human, fully man. Fully God, but fully man. Why? Because he did not want to go to the cross. He said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But just like us, when we are in situations where God's calling us to something that we dread, that we fear, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus gives us an example that through prayer, we find the power to step into our destiny. Because everybody wants to think that, you know, your destiny is something easy and beautiful and glorious it's like a trip to hawaii that's not always true my son took me hunting yesterday and i'm or no it was day for yesterday and i ain't i ain't kidding i'm still sore because i hadn't done that in forever we walked three and a half miles in the woods but we have to walk that far to get to that place where we thought a turkey might be you know what i mean you guys that hunt understand what i'm talking about it's kind of like that with our destiny too there's going to be some hills and some valleys and some rain you can't have rainbows without rain you know so that, that's true about our life as well. And Jesus gives us that example that through prayer, and this is the principle on Thursday, that it's through prayer that we find the power to fulfill our purpose. Listen, if God's called you to something, you need to communicate with Him about it. Right, Dave? You just communicate with Him. And as you're walking, it might not look exactly like you thought it was going to look, but as He's commun- communicating with you through prayer, that's where it's found. He will give you the power to step through it. I've had to have conversations, and I know you all have too, that I I just dreaded. I dreaded for weeks, dreaded for days and weeks, you know. But in prayer, God gives you power. And sometimes he goes ahead of you, which is awesome, and he just removes the obstacle. And when you get there, it's not even there. Anybody ever felt that or had that experience? It's not even there. What you dreaded, what the enemy made look like alligators was actually squirrels. You know, have you ever feared a squirrel? I had a squirrel one time that bit me on the finger and made me bleed, but it can't do much damage to you. It's scared of you. You know what I mean? It's through prayer that we find the power to fulfill our purpose. We find that on Thursday. And then we get to Friday. Friday's awesome, isn't it? Jesus trumps the devil, the flesh, and the world. Let me tell you how. Let me tell you how. He trumps the devil because Judas, the Gospel of Luke says that Satan entered Judas. I think it's Luke. If that's not right, y'all correct me. But one of the Gospels says Satan entered Judas, and Judas goes and and for 30 pieces of silver deceives the Lord, okay? But what the devil meant for harm, killing Jesus, we've done read it. God meant for good. He had to die. 
so he could become a seed in the ground so that when he was resurrected, I'm going to tell you about it in a few minutes, it would produce more, I don't want to say Jesus says there's only one, but Christians, us, the Holy Spirit in us. He defeated the devil by defeating the, the situation with Judas. He defeated the flesh because Peter, remember Peter said, I'll never deny you, Lord, and then he denied him how many times? Three times. Jesus overcame the flesh because, and he showed us through Peter that the flesh is weak. The Spirit's willing. Peter said, my, in his spirit, Peter said, I will not deny you, but the flesh is weak. And then he defeated the world. Pilate, see, the reason Pilate turned him over is because he feared Caesar. He feared the people. He feared the world. And so he turns Jesus over and he releases Barabbas. I asked this to, I was speaking last night to an associational group. And I asked this question, I wonder if Barabbas is in heaven. Does anybody know? Have y'all ever got that in a dream? I mean, because you think about it, you know, he was set free because of Christ, you know. It's a neat question, isn't it? But Jesus yielded to the Father for you and for me on Friday. And so I would say this, the lesson on Friday is God in Christ has overcome all our enemies. Which leads me to Saturday. And I believe Saturday is the one of the most least talked about days of Holy Week. We hear about Friday, the crucifixion, and we hear about and celebrate Sunday, don't we? The resurrection. But what happened on Saturday? And man, Saturday spoke to me yesterday. I would title it this way, the silence of Saturday. Saturday, things were silent. Things are quiet. It's the space between Friday and Sunday. You hear what I'm saying? It's the space between your, your struggle and the solution. Now, if you're like me, I'm a fixer. I want things fixed, and I want it fixed now. Huh? God doesn't always work that way. There's usually a Saturday involved. It's between the question, and they had a lot of questions on Friday. You know, the question could have been, is God in this you know what do we do now you know god knows that saturdays are going to come and he gives us a picture here the same is true for us he knows the sickness that we experience he knows the marriage trouble we experience he's 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 been there before he understands that he understands job loss he understands family struggle he understands that we get stuck on saturday and and we we hope for Sunday, but if you're like me, sometimes I give up hope, don't, don't you? And I'm like, Sunday's never coming. But for the believer, the Bible is clear that the plans that he has for you are plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. You can bank on it. And so Sunday is coming. He knows the addiction you deal with, the depression I'm not going to say raise your hand if you've ever been depressed because I, I can tell you I have, and I'd say a majority of you have as well. Young folks, you might not have been yet, but it's coming. Those things hit us sometimes like freight trains, and you wonder, where is God and why am I in this? Why does he not move? What did Jesus do on Saturday? It's a simple answer. Have you heard the verse of Scripture that says, be still and know that I am God? I think he just laid still. Now, there's all kinds of commentaries that says he went to hell and he fought the devil and he brought back the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And that may be true. And there may be scripture to, to back that up. But for us, he was quiet on Saturday. And I want to say that sometimes in your life and in my life, there are going to be times where things happen on Friday 
and you know that Sunday is your hope and your dream and your prayer. And, and you even might believe that God wants to give you Sunday. And in your prayer, you're praying for Sunday. But days come and days go and you, you just don't see the victory in Sunday. You're just stuck in Saturday. Just hang on. Victory's coming. He stayed silent. He was still. But I believe that he waited in expectation. See, we expected that our church would be full today. And, and we put that expectation out, and we believe that, totally, that God wanted us to do that. And we see that God has filled our church full. I believe that a lot of times what we, what we dream of never comes to fruition because we tell ourselves it's never going to happen. It's the truth. It's part of team building. The me I see is the me I'll be. If you believe you're a loser, you're probably going to be a loser. The Bible says that. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so what we believe about God and what we believe about ourselves is important. It's super important. The lesson on Friday is God in Christ has overcome all our enemies. You have three enemies, those of you who haven't heard it before. The flesh, the devil, and the world. Those three things you will battle, and I will battle, until we, are, until we meet the Lord. You need to be ready for it. Don't let it catch you off guard. That's why what you're doing today is important. You need to fill your life with the Word of God and with people who are walking this same walk. But the silence of Saturday gives us three lessons. One is this. Often the mighty move of God, often the mighty move of God is not found in the outcomes, but it's in the processes. See, Saturday is where God does His work. Really, truly. See, you might have, God might have something in store for you, and he may speak it to you, and you can bank on it, but you ain't ready to receive it. You need to go through some Saturdays. Sometimes you just need to stay quiet and silent. It's in the processes. Second, sometimes good things must die to be and placed in the ground so that a fruitful harvest can grow. That's what happened to Jesus. It's exactly what happened to him. What We're, we're going to get to that in a minute. I don't want to skip ahead, but my goodness. The enemy thought that, that he was going to kill our Savior, but He multiplied Him. He multiplied Him. Thirdly, it's not over until He says it's over. And so the lesson on Saturday is this. God is never not working in your situation, even when He's silent. If I were to say, raise your hand, if you've ever been through a silent season in life and you didn't hear a word from God, every one of you adults would raise your hand. If you were honest, God, where are you? And you hear nothing. It can be a sad place. But when you get around other people who've been through some Saturdays and experienced some Sundays, and by the way, your reward for, for going through Friday, Saturday, Sunday is another Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's a constant struggle. But it's victory after victory after victory. And I can promise you that the world's way, it'll lie to you. The devil will lie to you and say, this will help. The world's way leads you deeper into the abyss. It just does. Some of y'all have experienced that. The only hope that there truly is is in Jesus. God's never not working, even when he's silent. Your victory is on the way. And so we get to Sunday, and we find that on Sunday, the stone's been rolled away. Isn't that awesome? And whatever it is that stands between you and your relationship with God, that stone can be rolled away too. And he will roll it away. It's because he lives that I can face tomorrow, right there. I can face tomorrow. 
I don't have to worry about what what's happening tomorrow. The Bible tells me that today has enough worry for me to worry about today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Let it worry about itself. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Do you know that that's the enemy's number one tool is fear? If he can strike fear in your mind and your heart, he'll keep you from taking that step of faith. That's the truth. He will. You won't step if you walk in fear. Walk in victory. It's because I know the plans that he has for me, plans to prosper me, not to harm me, plans to give me a future and a hope, Jeremiah 29, 11. And so the lesson on Sunday is all of his promises are yes and amen. Every one of them. Just get in the book. If you've not been in there a while, just start researching it. You'll find promise after promise after promise in here. And it says all of his promises are yes and amen. Which brings me to the exclamation point of Easter. It's, okay, it's the resurrection. You know, we all know that. But I think there's another story we need to fast forward to that really gives us the full package. Go to John chapter 14 with me. I'm going to go there in my book. John chapter 14, go to verses 15 through 17. And then I'm going to be finished. John 14, 15 through 17. Then I'm going over to John 15, verse 26. Because if he would have resurrected, and he did, and that would have been all he did, and he just walked the earth again in his resurrected body, we would be lining up to meet him. When's Jesus going to be in town? We're going, we're going to assemble and we're going to meet Jesus, right? But listen what he says and what he teaches in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. He says, if you love me, Jesus, keep my commandments. And what are the New Testament commandments? They're simple. Don't make it complex. Love the Lord and love people. Period. That's it. Keep my commands. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, capital H, that He may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him. For He dwells with you and will be with you. He promises to send the Helper. And verse, chapter 15, verse 26 says this, But when the Helper comes, Jesus says, Whom I shall send to you from the Father. Here's, here's the victory for us, the power, the exclamation point. The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of me. You know that thing that tells you when you're getting ready to make a decision whether it's right or wrong? You know that thing? That's the Holy Spirit. And the closer you walk to Him, the closer you'll get to not even having to make that decision. You will have made it prior to getting there. You know what I mean? You will have made it prior to getting there. And decisions are huge. We don't understand what a little decision means when we're making it. But it's like when you're, when you're a child and, and, and you're learning some things. Some of the things we learn as children and we accept in our spirit and our soul becomes a big deal later on. And you have to live a while to understand that. But little decisions along the way. We read in Acts of the ascension and the sending of the Holy Spirit. And now we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Now here's the deal. What the enemy meant for harm by crucifying our Savior, God meant for good. By burying that seed, Jesus Christ, He actually multiplied it. Isn't that awesome? And now we all are the hands and feet of Christ. We have Jesus Christ living in us, in the Holy Spirit. And that's what we celebrate today on Resurrection Sunday, isn't it? That we now can commune and walk in faith with Christ. Isn't that awesome? So bow your heads with me.
Jesus has overcome the grave and every obstacle that stands between you and the promises of God, the purposes of God. You're a rightful heir to the glory that's found in Jesus Christ. And so I want to ask you a couple questions. What things has God brought to your mind this morning that need to be laid down and torn in two, just like the, the veil was torn in two, so that the Lord and you can commune and walk together? What things does God want you to lay down? The second question I'd ask you is, are you walking in victory this morning? Remember that his promises will come to pass, just as he said they would. So, Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for this group of people, God. I pray that for each person that has a burden this morning that they need to lay down, I pray that in these next few moments that you would help them to lay them down. Lord, as I pray, Lord, they can ignore me. They just need to talk with you. So, God, take those things, whatever it is that stand between us and you, help us to do our part. God, it may be simple. Sometimes we ask for peace, but we allow our minds to go in places that do not provoke peace. Lord, we ask for prosperity. We ask for success even. We ask for blessings, but we put ourselves in a position to not receive a blessing. And so, God, whatever those things are that stand between the blessings of God, the glory of God, and us, God, I pray you'd help us to remove those things. And Lord, where we can't, I pray you will. Lord, if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you, God, in the free pardon of sin, it's very simple. That if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that he died on a cross and was raised on the third day and you confess that with your mouth, you shall be saved. God, you have told me to tell your people that it's a simple message. Simple. Salvation is simple. And so thank you for the free gift. Thank you for Resurrection Sunday. God, we celebrate not only you coming out of the grave, but also we celebrate you sending the helper to us. I thank you that as I leave this place, you speak to me as I pull up on the road. You speak to me as I walk throughout my day. God, that gift of the Holy Spirit we do not take for granted. And so we thank you for it. Help us to make good decisions now as we go forth. Bless our children. Lord, bless these teenagers that are here. God, they have open hearts, and the enemy knows that. And so we rebuke the enemy's message and the enemy's signals, and we rebuke the culture that, that tends to try to get in front of you. God, we rebuke those, name, those things in the name of Jesus. Protect our young people. Open their hearts up, and you fill their hearts. That's our prayer and our desire. Continue to bless this church. Bless the people who come, and I pray, God, for their families, and I pray your head of protection around each family represented here today. Lord, if there's a need that, that we can help with, God, I pray you'd bring that to us. Lord, thank you for the music, and thank you for what this day represents for the believer. As we go and celebrate with family, God, help us to keep our minds focused on you. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.